Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac Wayne heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Before you marry someone, you need to ask yourself this question. Can we work out the problems we face in a biblical way? You see, spiritual maturity will reveal itself by the way a person handles conflicts, not when things are going well. Don't marry someone who avoids dealing with problems, who minimizes difficulties, who follows worldly wisdom for solutions, or who cannot biblically work through a problem with you to arrive at a God-honoring solution. You know why? Because if you can't do it before you get married, when you get married, you're not going to do it in that relationship. Problems in marriage? Imagine that. Yes, for those of us who are already married, that is easy to imagine. The old fairy tales that end with, and they lived happily ever after, are uh, misleading. They should end more like, And with God's help, they overcame one difficulty after another for the rest of their lives. Maybe that picture is a little too bleak. But you know, we have to know when we're looking for a future spouse that we are going to face a lot of challenges together. Sometimes those challenges will come from outside our home, but many of them will come from inside the home. It seems like spouses disagree about everything under the sun. If you've been listening for a while, you probably remember some of the things Pastor Steve discussed in this series on the biblical family. Let me introduce you to Pastor Steve right now. You're listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, has been ministering and teaching at Lakeside since 1981. As a result of a desire to reach an even larger audience with sound biblical teaching, This radio ministry was launched. It's called Verse by Verse Ministries, and we like to think of it as a Bible class of the air. Today is the last part of Pastor Steve's final message on the biblical family. During this extensive series of lessons, Pastor Steve has dealt with many areas of family life. In this last message of the series, he has been discussing biblical singleness, and today we'll hear some practical suggestions for singles, especially for those who do not have the gift of singleness that we heard about last week. If you're single but wish you weren't, then today's message is one you'll really want to hear. So, and we spent quite a bit on this, but the first biblical principle related to singleness is the biblical teaching the biblical teaching about singleness. If you have the gift, it's good to remain single. That's basically what Paul's saying because there are advantages. But some may be thinking, I don't have this gift. I know I don't have this gift, so I have a desire to get married. What should I do? Well, I, you may think, I want to get married. Well, uh, let's, let's address that because this is the second biblical issue related to singleness. What to look for in a marriage partner? You may not have this gift. Uh, probably most of you do not have this gift. So I want to look at this issue and take it a step further. What do you look for in a marriage partner? 
That's, that's his, that is critical. Years ago at the Moody Bible Institute in Michelle's class when she was a freshman, they gathered all the young ladies together and they said, in essence, this to them, ladies, you could be married tomorrow if you just lowered your standards today. You could be married tomorrow if you just lowered your standards. And there are many Christian men and women who are so desperate to get married that they have lowered their standards and married the wrong kind of person. And they will live to regret this. So what kind of a person should you be looking for? I'm going to make this as simple as possible. And I may say some things that are going to be surprising because uh, some people think, oh, there's only one qualification. Just be a Christian. I think there's more. I think there's more. Yes, number one is a Christian. The person you marry should be, must be a Christian. 1 Corinthians 7.39, in fact, Paul closes with this. Verse 39 says, A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her, uh, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes. But then he adds, only in the Lord. Only in the Lord. Here Paul says that a single person is free to, to marry only a fellow Christian. That's so basic. But I'm going to say it because it's so violated. You know, I would think that I don't even have to say this, but I know I do because it's so violated by people who say things like, well, I, I have a peace about this. Well, that didn't come from God. You know, but you have a peace about it. You feel good, wonderful, but that's not what God's word says. Paul says that marriage, and this is the whole thing that he's saying in verse 39, marriage is forever. The only thing that honorably separates you from your spouse is death. So you need to think twice before you hook up with an unbeliever because you're going to be with him until one dies. That's what he's saying. Now, why is this so important? I know that there are young people who hear this and they disregard it. They hear this and they think, oh, it'll be different. It'll be different with us. It wasn't different with Solomon. First Kings chapter 11, verse 4 says this, For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives, and he didn't marry in the Lord, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devo uh, devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Solomon disregarded what God said. He had married many pagan wives, and they turned his heart away from the Lord. That's why you ought not to marry an unbeliever. God's word said it, but you will, uh, it, it will damage your relationship with Christ. You cannot maintain a strong walk with him if you are intent on disobeying God's word. Also, 2 Corinthians, a very famous passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers, which, by the way, this is not talking only about marriage, but any kind of a partnership with an unbeliever. For what partnership uh, have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Be uh, Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? These are rhetorical questions. You marry someone who's not a Christian, and what do you have in common with them? Are you like the same television programs? How long is that going to last? What kind of depth is that? You both like sports? So what? That's not what you build a relationship on. After the honeymoon is over, you need to start thinking about some, some real spiritual intimacy. So marry only a believer, and, and I want to stress, not one who just says he's a believer or she says he's, she's a believer. You know, I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, well, look for evidence in their lives. Don't be naive. And, and uh, don't think also, well, they, they're not Christians, but listen, after I marry them, or after I marry him or her, uh, they'll come to Christ. 
Maybe. Most likely not. But there's no certain. The Bible does not teach evangelistic dating or marriage. And I, and I put dating in that category because when you get to be a teenager and you start dating, every date is a potential spouse. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Why would you date an unbeliever? Just have a nice time? Every date is a potential marriage partner. The Bible does not teach evangelistic dating or marriages. And I can tell you countless stories of, of uh, especially women who married an unbeliever who uh, lived to regret it. And they might have thought, oh, he'll come to Christ, and he didn't. And just because you may know someone who did come to Christ, that's just God's mercy. That's all. Second thing to look for in a marriage partner is not only a Christian, but godly character. Not someone who just professes he knows Christ or she knows Christ. Anyone can make a profession, but the issue is, are they Christ-like? Are they Christ-like? You say, well, we're, why would you say that? Because Christ-likeness is the mark of a Christian. Uh, can they, uh, uh, are they capable of fulfilling the commands of Ephesians 5, of, of a man loving his wife like Christ loved the church? Unless you are walking with the Lord, you can't fulfill that. Can they fulfill the commands of a wife to be in submission to her husband unless she's walking with Christ and Christ-like? She can't fulfill that. So it's not just someone who prayed, you know, and, uh, and they were five years old to accept Christ, and nothing's ever clicked in their lives spiritually after that, we're talking about, do they exhibit Christ-likeness? What do you look for? Humility, love, purity, self-control, obviously a commitment to Christ, a, a love for, for God's people, a love for the church, spiritual maturity. But let me be very practical here. It all comes together. This is the number one ingredient I would look for. It all comes together with the ability to solve problems from God's word. That's the mark of a mature Christian. Before you marry someone, you need to ask yourself this question. Can we work out the problems we face in a biblical way? You see, spiritual maturity will reveal itself by the way a person handles conflicts. Not when things are going well. Don't marry someone who avoids dealing with problems, who minimizes difficulties, who follows worldly wisdom for solutions, or who cannot biblically work through a problem with you to arrive at a God-honoring solution. You know why? Because if you can't do it before you get married, when you get married, you're not going to do it in that relationship. And that's why we have to have a series like this. Because there are so many couples who never learned how to deal with their problems in a biblical fashion. So I give you a word of warning. Don't marry someone who avoids conflicts or who cannot deal with them in a biblical way because there will be conflicts in a marriage. And if you can't deal with it during engagement or when you're dating and, and solve those biblically, then don't be naive and think that you know, you're going to tie the knot and then all of a sudden it's going to be different. It won't be different and now you're stuck. So this is the kind of person you should look for, someone who knows the Lord and someone who exhibits, demonstrates in their life that they know the Lord. That's what you should look for. But you may think, well, I've been looking and looking and looking, and I've been praying and praying and praying. What do I do in the meantime? I'm ready. I'm looking for that kind of a person. That's a great question, Pastor Steve. It's easy to say, I'll wait till a godly person comes along. But then what do you do? How long should you wait? forever? It's hard to remain single when you don't have the gift of singleness. 
In fact, it can be downright miserable. We don't want to lower our standards and fall into a wretched relationship from which there is no escape. But the loneliness and the empty feelings just go on and on with no end in sight. Why is God waiting so long? Doesn't he know how I feel? Well, of course, God does know how we feel. Hebrews four fifteen through 16 says this about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all ways tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So God clearly knows what we go through. Pastor Steve will be back in just a minute to offer some practical biblical insights that may help you deal with your unwanted singleness. You're listening to Verse by Verse. We'd like to take a few seconds to thank you for listening and to remind you that today's program is available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you missed the start of class and have access to the Internet, you can listen to the entire broadcast at versebyverseradio.org, or you can subscribe to our free podcasting service. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, please feel free to stop in and see us. We'd love to meet you. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. It's about halfway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. Now, let's return to our class. Pastor Steve is ready to resume our lesson. Well, that brings us to the third biblical principle related to marriage, uh, singleness rather, and this is, it's this, what to do while you wait for marriage. What do you do in the meantime? You don't have the gift. You're looking for the right one. What should you do? Let me give you some very practical suggestions based on Scripture. Number one, trust God. I don't want to say that flippantly. I don't want to just say there's one who is married and doesn't go through the struggles of being single. I really want to say that with compassion. I know that it's not easy to wait for something you desire deeply, but the Bible presents God as one who knows what he's doing as one who has your best interests at heart, as one whose timing is always right. He has not forgotten about you. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, when we cannot see the hand of God, we can trust the heart of God. You may think, well, then why is he waiting so long? All my best friends are married. I've been in so many weddings, I'm sick of them. I'm beginning to panic. I'm getting too old for anyone to be interested in me. Well, that's not true. But that's what you begin to think. And, and why is God waiting so long? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which certainly can be applied to this, is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And that's what the Bible says. That's, that's what you have to do. Trust God's sovereignty, his goodness, and his goodness to do what is, what is best for you and what brings him glory. I, I do know this. I may not know why God is waiting so long, but I do know it's not to torture you because he loves you and it's with your best interests at hand. Secondly, another practical suggestion, be preoccupied with the Lord. Don't be preoccupied with getting married. 
I know that's easier said than done, but don't be obsessed with with finding a spouse. Instead, concentrate on being all that God wants you to be. In other words, instead of looking for the right person, focus on being the right person. That's what the Bible would teach. Be the right person. Some people are so consumed with looking for the right person, they don't focus on being what God wants them to be. Prepare for marriage by developing into the kind of person God wants your future spouse to marry. Think of it that way. If you really care about your future spouse, you want to be all that God wants you to be, so your future spouse marries that kind of person. You see, you want to be a godly Christian so that the right kind of a Christian will be interested in you. If you're not walking with the Lord, you think you're going to attract the right kind of of man or woman? No, they're not going to be attracted to you unless uh, you are what you should be. And maybe this is why God has, has not allowed uh, some of you to get married. Maybe it's because uh, you're not ready for it yet. There are still areas in your life that God needs to deal with, and he's graciously doing that to resolve some issues that need to be straightened out before you actually get married, because he doesn't want those issues to come into the married life. And maybe that, uh, if that's the case, that's God's graciousness. Number three. Be in the place of obedience where God can lead you. God leads us when we're walking with him, not when we're walking in disobedience. Some Christians want to find the godly believer to marry, but they're out of God's will. They hang out with the wrong crowd. They engage in in premarital sex. They neglect Bible study. They neglect worship. They neglect prayer. And yet, in their hearts, they want to marry the right kind of person. Listen, you cannot expect God to answer your prayers when you're in such sin. The Lord will not hear you, he says, if you regard iniquity in your heart. So you you get your life in order and follow the Lord and then pray and seek him. Number four, program your mind with God's word. I love Philippians chapter four, verse eight, in which Paul says this. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Because the Lord knows the temptation is for our minds to dwell on the wrong things. Don't let your mind be conditioned by the world's thinking on the issues related to singleness. Don't uh, do that, but the Bible says renew your mind and let it renovate your thinking by Scripture. For example, the biblical way to deal with loneliness. You may start thinking, oh, I'm so lonely, I'm going to be lonely the rest of my life. And before you know it, you have a pity party, you get into all of this. The Bible would would come to you and God in his word would say, look, you're alone. Take you may not always be alone. Take this time to develop intimacy with Jesus Christ. You have a wonderful opportunity. You can have a quiet time. That's that's real quiet. And you could, you know, take advantage of this. You have to think like that. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. James 4, 8. What about financial insecurity. I don't know who will take care of me. I don't know about, well, the Bible comes to you and says, what about Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be given to you. Be content. How about sexual temptation? I'm really struggling in this area and I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get married. Well, listen to this. This is what God's word says and you have to think about this and memorize and meditate on this. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. I mean, God says you're not alone. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted 
beyond what you are able. What a wonderful promise that is. You say, I can't take it anymore. Oh, yes, you can. The Bible says that. But will, with the temptation, provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will give you grace. He'll give you strength. That's what you have to do. So dwell on the things of God. And finally, the, the fifth practical suggestion is be content and praise God in the midst of your singleness. Be content. There are so many people who are thinking about the future. Oh, if I only had this, if I, if I only had a spouse, children, affection, someone to hold me, a nice house, if I only had this. The Bible says, don't dwell on what you want in the future. Be content with what God has given you today. Once again, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. They gave him a love offering. Not that I speak from want. Paul says, I'm, I'm not thanking you because I wanted this, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both in having abundance and suffering need. And you say, well, I'm glad you learned the secret, Paul. What is it? Tell me, because I'm struggling. This is the secret, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Secret is no matter what situation God puts you in, he will strengthen you at that time. That's the secret. And now it's not a secret, because you know it. God gives you the grace and strength to handle any situation, even singleness. So be content and thank him now. You know, the goal of, of a Christian's life, whether you're single or married, is one thing, and it's to please the Lord. It's not our happiness. It's not our happiness. And all the things we've said about the family, we want to keep that in mind. The goal of a Christian is to please the Lord, not make me happy. It's not to make me happy. It's to please Christ, regardless of of whether, as we turn back to the singles now, regardless of whether you have the gifts of singleness or you are single with a desire for marriage, make pleasing Christ your number one goal in life, your number one priority, obedience to the word of God. That's what pleases him and faith, believing the word. We've said a lot in this series about relationships and about uh, those things that are connected with it, but you know, all of it's said in... in uh, uh, all of it would have very little impact, I should say, unless you know Jesus Christ. He, because he's the one who changes us. Don't try to change other people. You let the Lord change you. And you need to let him change you by coming to know him as Lord and Savior. If you've never trusted Christ, that's the first thing you need to do. You need to commit your life to him, and you do that by trusting him as the only way to heaven. I trust that you'll consider that. We have folks who are waiting after the service. They wait for you right by the door to my left. I invite you to see them. If you do know Christ, then all you need to do is put the word into practice. Don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Amen, Pastor Steve. Someone once told me after he'd been hurt one time too many by the same person that people don't change. Well, that may be true, but it's also true that God does change people. Only He has the power to transform us and to enable us to become the kind of people He meant us to be in the first place. He can and will change you if you'll trust Him as Savior. Now, perhaps you're listening and thinking, there's no way you can make it through the trials that you're facing. 
but with God's help you can. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So can you, and so can I. This has been quite a series of lessons covering many aspects of the biblical family. Among other things, we've had lessons on being husbands and wives, lessons about money, and lessons about parenting. Today's lesson on biblical singleness brings that series to a close, and we'll begin a new topic with our next program. I hope you can join us for that. If you'd like to hear Pastor Steve's entire message on biblical singleness, you can order an audio CD by calling 727-441-1714. Please leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727 727- 4411714 You have been listening to Verse by Verse. This radio Bible class is led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested people who have first been supportive of their local church. Please join us next time as Pastor Steve begins a new topic concerning what has been called the highest activity of the human soul, and that is prayer. We hope to see you then. We are here to give you strength between... If you get a custom-tailored suit, it's going to fit perfectly and make you look great. Think about that with a Noble First for your organization. No matter what the size of your company is, a Noble First will analyze your data and collaborate with you to custom tailor digital solutions so you can focus on making your organization grow. When it comes to data-centric solutions specifically for your organization, choose a Noble First. A Noble First makes living simple. See for yourself at anoblefirst.com, E-N-N-O-B-L-E-First.com.